0: It's great to be looking at this part of God's Word. And this is the second letter of uh, Peter, one of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his last letter uh, recorded for us in the Scriptures. And it really is a word for the church that just needs to be heard for the years to come. It's It's a very strong word. And if you've just come to us this week for the first time, you've kind of come in the very end. And we've been working through it the last four weeks, and it's the fifth week, and we're just looking at the last few verses, the last five verses of this book. Um, next week, we're actually taking a break from our normal working through books of the Bible. And next week, we're actually having a, a Doctrine for Life series. Other years, we've done Doctrine for Life about the church, the Holy Spirit, resurrection. Um, we've done different topics. This, this year, we're going Doctrine for Life, Men and Women and God. Uh, how does, what does the Bible have to say about men and women? and the way that he's created us. And uh, please be thinking, praying, um, sending your questions if you want beforehand, uh, my way or anyone's way. And um, I think it's a really important topic. It's almost a topic that we might not have needed to speak about a few years ago, but it's a, probably a topic that we really need to hear clearly what God says about men and women and how we relate to God. But now as we look at this last part of 2 Peter, the end, let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word and I just pray that you would really apply it deeply to our hearts, that you might encourage us like we've been encouraged already with the baptism and the prayers and the singing. You might rebuke us as your word tends to do and you might also strengthen us to keep going. Father, let's pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would be at work tonight as we hear and think and reflect on your word and we pray that that same spirit will be at work in the way that we go home and the way we live the rest of this week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. With the end in mind, um, I don't know about you, but when it comes to jobs around the house, there are certain jobs that the end, it's okay. You can envision the end so you can do the job. Um, This is the the kind of job I can do. I can fix a hole in a wall. Uh, But don't don't ring me up to do it because it won't be as good as the way you do it probably. Um, I can do that job. And uh, the last, last time I took a holiday, I, I did this job. I put, the, put some new roofing up. There's a job I can do. Um, but when it goes one step further, I can't do anymore. I can't build a house. I'm in a room there's people here who can build houses and have built houses. Uh, there are people here who've, uh, who've built train lines. There are people here who've uh, run great projects. And people here have done all sorts of things. Um, one step further... How would you fix up, this is Notre Dame, and how, how would you rebuild that? I, I think each of these jobs, in a sense, you've got to have the end in mind to do the job. And you can see that the end in mind is a little bit easier at the beginning. It's easy to see what the end is to patch a, a hole in a wall. But even more so, you need the end in mind to work out how you fix up the roofing. And obviously, to build a house, that end's even more important because you've got to be have a group of people. You can't do that one by yourself. A group of people all working towards the same thing, but then even when it comes to rebuilding a great cathedral, you'd have to work out what end do we want? Do we want like the old one? A new envisioning of it? Do we want a budget version? However it is. And actually, the more complicated it is, the more you need a very strong picture of the end in mind. And if you don't have that, you'll never get to the end. But, there's also a problem with the little jobs too, I think. You you see, if you're building a house or fixing up a big project, what makes you keep going? What is it? Everyone's watching. <laughs> the smaller jobs, no one's watching. Except maybe your kids, your wife, your father-in-law, <laughs> whatever it is, your neighbour. Hmm, interesting the way you're doing that. <laughs> um, and when it comes to the very small one, the patching a hole, like one of the biggest problems of those kind of jobs is you can do the half-finished job, and no one's really gonna care. Except for those who live with you. And so I actually think there's a danger in the, the big things in life. Think of the Christian life. The big parts of the Christian life, we have to have the end in mind very clearly. But the small details of the Christian life. We often think that don't matter. But actually, God sees the equivalent of the holes in the walls that aren't repaired. He sees the way we do things. The end in mind. The end of the, this, um, this book of 2 Peter really, um, we could have done this many ways. I'm actually going to preach in a way that I, have, I don't think I've done really before. And that is just pick up a, a couple of themes from this last part and how they summarise the whole book. And I'm really picking these three: Jesus, the Scriptures, and Christian living. Jesus, it finishes with it says, "Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and for, to the day of eternity." Amen. If we'd only had the Book of Two Peter, what could we know about the Lord Jesus Christ? A few things jump out here. One of them is the way we speak about Jesus. The Apostle Peter speaks about Jesus. He calls him our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. There's a bit of a movement in our day to be very casual with Christ. And we just talk about Jesus. Or we, we, we try not to use the fancy titles and we, we think it's more authentic just to say, me and Jesus is what we're going to do together. I'm just going to talk to Jesus. Jesus. If anyone had a reason to be casual with Jesus, it'd be the Apostle Peter. He lived with him. He walked with him. He was beloved by Jesus. He saw him in the flesh. But when Peter speaks, he so often calls him our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And you'll see that in the rest of the book. People think uh, it's all about um, hanging out with Jesus. If I could only hang out with Jesus. Well, when Jesus comes back a second time, it's... We're going to receive him as the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's how Peter, he's one of his best friends, regarded him. And we can see here that we're meant to grow in him. Just in this one verse, we grow in the grace. That's the gift of God and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's where we and how we grow. People talk about Christianity like it's a cut flower uh, or the Western civilization. All the good things we had, so many came from Jesus Christ ideas of, 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 of duty and sacrifice, humility, that everyone is an image of God-bearer, that there is such a thing as real identity that we have and purpose in life and value. But in a sense, we've cut that off from the gospel and we're like a cut flower that looks good at the moment, but over time it smells and gets wilts. And we need to be growing in Jesus, be returned to Jesus. And the last thing I can say here is that glory belongs to him. Glory now, right now. All glory belongs to Jesus, it says, and the day of eternity. Those two expressions. Well, elsewhere in the book, and I'll just show you a few places where he talks about Jesus. It starts off saying, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. That's how he began, to those who obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours, through the righteousness of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How he finishes is he says, I want you to have grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it began the book saying, this is, this is where we're going to go. We're going to grow in the knowledge. It's a knowledge that works. It's, it's not just knowing facts. It's knowing Christ that will produce fruit. And, and the other, you can see that in one verse eight, if these qualities are yours at increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this way, you'll enter into eternal kingdom where the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. The Jesus he finishes with at the end of the book, he says all the way through we've seen you've got to grow in him. You've got to keep looking at him. You've got to keep moving and, uh, and, and working at your, your knowledge of, and, of him and, and adding to that knowledge goodness and adding to that goodness love, etc. and be received by Christ in the end. There are other, other places we've seen. Uh, the second sermon, we, we were reminded um, that the Apostle Peter has his relationship with Jesus where he was actually told that he would leave, lay aside his earthly tent. That's the way he described his body, as his tent. And he said that we didn't follow cleverly designed stories and we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. See the way Peter talks about Jesus again? our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're talking to someone about Jesus, I I know we, 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 on the one hand, we hear Muslim people, and when they say Jesus, what might they say? Peace be upon him. So a Muslim person who thinks Jesus is a prophet says, Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. A Christian person who thinks Jesus is God and sometimes our way is, is so casual. But Peter doesn't just say, Yeah, I want to hang out with Jesus. He said, I'm waiting for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to return. If, if we started using that language when we're talking to people who aren't Christians, I know they think we're crazy. But they actually will think that we actually do think He is great. He is our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That might teach our kids something. That That's who Christ is, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. There's so much more in the book, and I'll just put the verses up. I won't talk through them, but we've seen a couple of weeks ago how we, some people <clears throat> claim to be following the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, but they didn't live that way, chapter 2. We saw that, um, that, that there were people who, um, when it came to the return of Jesus Christ, even though he'd made these promises in chapter 3, um, words were spoken through the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Saviour were given through the apostles. And people were warned that <clears throat> the Lord will return. The Lord will return. A day's like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. And so we've got to be the kind of people who don't treat the delay of the Lord as a reason to just live our own lives our own way, but to receive it well. You see, we speak of Jesus differently. And even just from this one little verse, we speak of him as our Lord and Saviour, our Lord and Saviour, Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We grow in him. We've got to keep being productive and and, and realising that energy and strength comes from him, not from anything else. And we give all glory to him. But in all this, it's really with the end in mind that makes the difference. See, if you talk about someone who's an historic, a historical figure, you might say Abraham Lincoln and we might throw, throw around uh, Captain Cook or something like that. You're not in any way caring what Abraham Lincoln or Captain Cook thinks about you, are you? When you talk history. But when you talk Jesus, you're talking about someone who you're going to meet. Someone who hears you right now. And so the way that we regard the Lord speaks loudly of our real faith with the end in mind. Um, And the way we grow in Him is with the end in mind because we've got to to see that we're waiting, getting ready to be with Christ one day. And so we're actually, our knowledge is productive and we keep growing in that and we want to be ready to meet Him one day face to face. And all glory belongs to Him with the end in mind because it's now we glorify Him because in the end, as we sang in the song, it'll be forevermore or praise forevermore. And so in a sense, God's people are those who do what we're meant to do at the end now. We're those who at the end, it says, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God's people do that now. They do it willingly now. When then it will be all people unwillingly or willingly. We, we give God the glory. We give Jesus the glory now. And the scriptures. Let's go to the scriptures. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to refer to this is I think the book of 2 Peter, at sort of the end of the times of the apostles, shows us how the whole Bible fits together. You, you see, here we have a, we, it says, he says also, regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, is it nice that one apostle calls the other apostle our dear brother, um, has written to you according to the wisdom God gave, given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters in which there are some matters that are hard to understand, that the untaught and unstable twist to their own destruction as they also do with the rest of scriptures. First of all, God's word is authority, it comes from the authority of God. If God says something, God speaks and it happens. God's word is based on the authority of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that this. But Paul speaks with the authority as the other scriptures, the Old Testament up to that point that was written. The, um, it's twistable. That's interesting, eh? That the Bible can be twisted. It's twistable. That teaches us two things. If something's twistable, that actually means that there is a real, true understanding of it. And that real, true understanding can be twisted. It used to be that people would say, well, I can read the Bible and turn it to mean whatever I want. Well, we can twist it to be whatever we want. But if we read it and let it speak for itself, and come humbly before it, then there will be a real understanding of the Word of God. I actually think the twistability of the Bible is a very important thing for us to hear. There are, there are even some translations of the Bible which will twist the truth. We've got to be careful. of. I, I think pretty much um, most translations that are written by one person, watch out for they will often twist something and and even if they don't mean to, they'll do it and we've got to be careful to let God's word speak for itself. Just be aware that it's twistable. So it reminds us that it has a truth but that truth can be warped and distorted. And lastly, there is wisdom for salvation in it. Paul's given wisdom and these things are for our salvation. That's what the scripture is about. Well, what part of the Bible... Can we regard as scripture? The book of 2 Peter actually fills out almost the entire 66 books of the Bible, it shows and describes why they have authority. So here we have Paul is regarded on equal footing as the Old Testament. So that's most of the Bible already, is <laughs> mentioned just in those verses. Here we have, um, so Paul has authority, and the other scriptures have authority. At the beginning of the book, it talks about, may the grace be multiplied you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Jesus has supreme authority. That's where it all comes from. If anyone's going to ask me, why do I believe the Bible is the word of God? My answer is Jesus. Jesus regarded the Old Testament as the word of God. Jesus spoke the word of God. Jesus commissioned his apostles the word of God. That's, That's how I would answer the question. And it all comes from the supreme authority of Jesus Christ. In one of the chapters, a bit later, it talks about we didn't follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honour and glory from God the Father, a voice came from him from majestic glory. This is my beloved son, I take delight in him. The eyewitnesses and Jesus have authority. God says, listen to my son. God says, this is my son. The next section after that, in 1, 2 Peter, We heard a voice and it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dismal place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in their hearts. First of all, you should know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from its own interpretation because no prophecy ever came from the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So all the prophets are people moved by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the eyewitness account, which we'll do well to look at just as much as we would the prophets. And we have, again, Jesus Christ's authority front and center. In chapter 3, it talks about um, his own letter, which gives him encouragement. Um, but he talks about... so that you remember the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and in the command of our Lord Jesus and Saviour, so our Lord and Saviour, again, just see how he keeps talking about Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, given through your apostles. Just in that verse alone, we we have uh, the authority, Jesus has God's authority, the prophets of the Old Testament have God's authority, and the apostles, those Jesus has designated have authority. And then by the end, we see, that he talks about Paul and all the scriptures, and he says there's authority, it's twistable, but it really is so that we can be wise for salvation. Just in this one little letter, you can see that Jesus has authority, the eyewitnesses to Jesus are given authority, the apostles have authority, the prophets have authority, Paul has authority, and scriptures, which means the Old Testament written up to that point, it's all regarded as authority. Maybe the only book you, can't, you might not say here is uh, maybe Revelation. <laughs> um, is the only th- maybe, maybe one of the only places, and maybe there's one or two others that you think, well, ha- he hasn't mentioned here. But isn't it amazing? One little letter, you could just see him reference almost the entire scriptures and saying, this is the word of God. A- and so one of the things I wanted to remind us is, is we actually read the Bible in light of the end. You know, you're reading a book. I'm, I'm a terrible book reader. I don't know about you. I, not that I'm a bad reader, I'm a bad finisher of books. <laughs> Is anyone else the same as me? Um, start a book, I think I know where it's going, i put it down and get another book. Because actually most books, most books honestly, you know where they're gonna go and you kind of don't need to read the end. That's my view. But, not novels, but like non-fiction. Um, but, but when we read, we're not just reading to get to the end of the Bible. We're reading to get to the end of history. We actually are reading for the end. And we're reading knowing what is going to happen at the end when Christ will return. And so we're reading with the end in mind. We might say, spoiler alert, well, that's a great spoiler alert. We know what's going to happen. And, uh, and the other one, I'm going to teach you a, a Latin phrase, and it's not because of well, Coram Deo. Um, this was actually an important phrase that they used, they've used in church history, and it literally means in the presence of God before the face of God. And the idea is we live our lives quorum Deo. We live our lives before the Lord now. So we live our lives and we live our lives in His sight. We live our lives under His authority and for His glory. But one of the things we do when we read the Scriptures is we read it in the presence of the Lord. So when God says something through the prophets and through the apostles, through ultimately the authority of Jesus, we actually hear it as the voice of God. And we read it in the presence of the author. Now, if you read a book, imagine, I mean, some, some people here have done, actually, I was going to say, some people have done um, have this, this great way of studying where you get a book, a novel that you really enjoy. I'm going to offend some teachers here, sorry a novel you really enjoy, and then you rip it apart. And, and you pull it apart, and you try to read it in all sorts of strange ways. I've even got, I've got commentaries on the Bible that do that. I've got a commentary on the book of, uh, the book of Job, that gives the vegetarian read of the book of Job. Okay. It gives the feminist reading of the book of Job. It, it, it gives the, could almost give the atheist reading of the book of Job. If you're reading in the presence of the author, what can't you do? You can't twist it. You can't say, I don't care what God says. Because the author is watching and we're living under his authority. And so the scriptures get us ready for the day of eternity. Well, last thing, we'll just draw some of this together. Christian living and the day of eternity. And I'm not going to, every week we're reading the notes about Christian living. That's been the resounding, the resounding message of the book of 2 Peter is it's about getting, chapter one, you got your knowledge of God, let it be productive and keep growing and don't go backwards and keep your eyes on Christ and keep growing the knowledge of Christ. Chapter two, don't be like the rest, those other people who have that knowledge and do nothing with it. Chapter two is the stick, a big warning. Chapter three, God is coming back one day, therefore live God's way. And here you see some of those brought together. You know, dear friends, while you wait for these, make every effort to be found in peace. And in the end, um, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you will not be led away by the error of lawless people and fall from your stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. You see, if you long for the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you take seriously His authority, then you will want to live in light of the end. Which will actually affect both parts of the building project. The, the, big, the big complicated features of our life where we're trying to work out what's our big purpose and, and what are we going to do, that will be submitted to God because I need to know where my life's going. But so will the bits of our life which are like the holes in our wall which we sometimes don't think matter in the Christian life. Because it's all going to be presented to God at the end. What would be an example of the holes in our wall? I think there are parts of our life that we maybe just think, you know what, I'm not giving that part of my life to Christ. They say that um, the last part of a man to be converted, or it could be a man or woman, I'm not sure, but is, is their, their right foot and their back pocket speeding and, 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 and how they use money. But, but I'm sure you think there's other parts and other areas of our life too. If we believe that our Saviour is coming back one day and we're going to call Him our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, and if we take seriously His authority, then we will live ready for that. But if we don't, we'll be like those in chapter 2 we saw who don't care about authority. And chapter three, those who don't want him to return. I actually think, um, someone asked me just recently, does Christian living, like have you got to get your thinking right before your Christian living right? I actually think they go together. I actually think the more you get your thinking right, it'll shape your Christian living. But the more you change your Christian living, it'll actually reinforce what you think. So I don't think most of us have to say, I'm going to think about God every second of every day. And if I don't, I'm not a Christian. But you know what? Those small decisions you make of obedience will teach you that Christ is your Lord and Saviour. Those times where you fail and you come to Him for forgiveness will teach you that He's your Lord and Saviour. The the way we talk to each other about Him will teach us that He's our Lord and Saviour. It's often the small steps, the equivalent of the holes in the wall we fix, that will teach us about who we are as Christians and not just the big picture of our lives. But let's, let's turn to God in prayer about these things. Some more. Sing a last song. Father God, thank you so much. You prepared an end. And for some of us, we know that end. And others of us, we're still working out how it all makes sense. Father, for those of us who know the end revealed in your Word, Father, we pray that we might let it change us, that we will see Christ one day, and let it change us and shape us that he has authority, that he speaks in his Word. Father, we do pray that that would affect the small decisions of our life, and there might be something right now that we have thought of in our mind, that maybe we've tried to push away from our mind, but you've placed there. Father, with that thing, we pray that we would give it over to you, change it, and live your way. And for the big directions of our life, that we would reorient it to the great end that you want us to. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.